Welcome to the Refine Your Health podcast with Dr. Dion. I'm a primary care physician, and now I can happily add podcaster. Tune in to each episode to hear great information on improving health outcomes, disease prevention, and overall community health advocacy. Thanks for listening. Now let's jump into today's episode to improve your health. Hello, listeners. It is your host, Dr. Dion. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Refine Your Health. So I want to start today's episode off by asking a question. Do you know what month we're in? I'll give you a few clues. You can't go anywhere in your community without seeing pink ribbon. And you can't go anywhere without being solicited to participate in a Susan B. Coleman walk. And this is the month that many professional organizations support a particular cause. You guessed it. It is October and it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So you may be asking yourselves, why is it important to talk about breast cancer? According to the National Breast Cancer Foundation, one in eight women in the U.S. will be diagnosed with breast cancer in her lifetime. On average, every two minutes, a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer. Think about that. Every two minutes. And according to the CDC or Center for Disease Control, breast cancer is the second most common cancer in the United States, but it's the most common cancer in women except for skin cancers. Also, the CDC reports black and white women get breast cancer about the same rate. However, black women die from breast cancer at a higher rate than white women. As a matter of fact, 40 percent higher based on the studies provided. And the reason behind this statistic possibly being higher in African-American women is that breast cancer is found at an earlier stage in white women compared to black women. And black women are, for some reason, more likely than white women to get triple negative breast cancer, which is often considered an aggressive type of breast cancer and may even come back even after treatment. However, we'll talk a little bit more later about what is triple negative. Now, men, I just don't want you to think this is all about the women today and just sit back and relax and just not listen and pay attention. So you are at risk for getting breast cancer as well. However, it is at a lower risk compared to women. Breast cancer in men make up less than 1% of all breast cancers based on American Cancer Society. And one particular male that you may be familiar with is Beyonce's dad, Matthew Knowles. He was recently diagnosed with breast cancer and it was noted that he had a family history of breast cancer in his mom and aunts who passed away apparently from the disease. And he decided to go undergo, I should say, a mastectomy because he was diagnosed with a particular form of breast cancer and found that he had a particular gene that put him in increased risk for breast cancer. Okay, what is breast cancer? Breast cancer is a disease when cancer cells in the breast divide and grow out of control. Typically, breast cancer can begin in different parts of the breast, and the breast is basically made up of three main parts, lobules, ducts, and connective tissue. Lobules are responsible for producing breast milk. Ducts supply breast milk to the nipple. Connective tissue is the fibrous fatty tissue which makes up a majority of the breast. To give you an idea of the anatomy, of course you have the nipple which is centrally located in the breast and then around the nipple you have lobules which is beneath the skin of the breast and it's almost surrounded the nipple like the numbers on the clock face going around the nipple. And then beneath that is where you have all of the connective tissue, which is majority a part of the breast. 
Now, if breast cancer grows or spreads outside of the breast, such as a lymph node or other parts of the body, breast cancer is what we consider that has spread beyond the breast itself. It's considered a medical term metastasis. And based on how far the breast cancer has spread outside of the breast is how it is staged. And based on staging, that's how it, it is determined the treatment for the particular breast cancer. And stage zero, of course, is more considered more localized to the the breast itself and more advanced. Let's say stage four is beyond the breast tissue and has spread to other parts of the body. Now you may be asking yourselves, what are the most common types of breast cancer? One is invasive ductal carcinoma. That means it starts in the ducts, the milk ducts, and may spread into other parts of the breast tissue. Another one is invasive lobular carcinoma, which is it starts in the milk glands and then expands and spreads into the other parts of the breast tissue. And then thirdly, there is ductal carcinoma in situ, which is basically it's located in the milk ducts and hasn't spread to other parts of the breast tissue. What are now what are the, the signs and symptoms that there is something going on with your breast? So. One is nipple discharge, bloody or clear, only involving typically one breast, breast lumps that you've noticed, change in the look or feel of the nipple, and change in the look or the feel of the breast itself. Therefore, if you exhibit any of these symptoms or warning signs, you would want to seek immediate medical attention for a further evaluation. So now let's look at the risk factors for breast cancer. The typical risk factors that we really can't control is one, being a woman, getting older, reproductive history, such as early onset of menstrual periods before age 12 and starting menopause after age 55, having dense breasts, previous treatment with radiation therapy. Lastly, genetics. Um, Many of you may be aware of the BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes, or some people may refer to it as BRCA genes. And one particular celebrity that comes to mind is Angelina Jolie. She has a family history of breast cancer and I think it was actually in her mother and she underwent genetic counseling and discovered that she had the BRCA gene as well and she elected to undergo double mastectomy even though she didn't even have the diagnosis of breast cancer just because of this risk that she discovered on her genetic counseling and found that she had these genes. Another individual that was also diagnosed with breast cancer, found to be genetic risk factor is Robin Roberts. You guys may know her as the host of Good Morning America. And she was diagnosed with the triple negative cancer. And I talked about this earlier in that African-American women are at high risk for some reason for having this triple negative cancer. And what is meant by triple negative is that they don't have the, the cells don't have the receptors for progesterone, estrogen, or a particular protein called HER2. And this is noted to be an aggressive type of breast cancer. And the reason why it's more prevalent in African-American women, we have no idea. Research is currently being done to look into this issue to hopefully be able to decrease the impact on the African-American community, especially in women, to decrease the disparity. Other risk factors associated with breast cancer and these risk factors that we do have some control over being overweight and obese after menopause, having your first pregnancy after age 30, taking hormone replacement therapy or birth control pills, as well as taking hormone replacement therapy with the onset of menopause. 
also the increased consumption of alcohol can place you at risk for breast cancer, along with not being physically active. Now, I have gotten a question from a few of the uh, breastfeeding moms out there, and they're wondering, does breastfeeding put you at increased risk for breast cancer? Based on research, it has shown that it lowers your risk for breast cancer. So breastfeeding moms continue to do so in hopes that this will decrease your risk of developing breast cancer. These are a few of the risk factors associated with breast cancer. If you're interested in learning more about these risk factors as well as others, please check out the Susan B. Komen website. It is at www.komen.org slash risk. Seeing now that we know what breast cancer is, the signs and symptoms, as well as the risk factors for breast cancer. So what is the screening process for breast cancer? The number one that I recommend for individuals to do is to make sure that they do a self-breast exam once a month. That way you can pick up subtle changes compared to going to a physician's office where they do a once a year clinical breast exam and may not be able to pick up the subtle changes compared to if you were doing it once a month. And most of the time when a individual presents to a doctor's office with a mass, they found it themselves because they've been doing their self-breast exams. The other option for breast cancer screening, which is one that we do, is also just doing the clinical breast exam in the medical office, as well as doing the routine annual screening with a mammogram. And typically this begins at age 40 for most women. However, depending on if you have a family history or some risk factors for breast cancer, the screening may start earlier, but that's individually dependent on a history as well as genetic risk factors. I feel like I need to make a clarification here. Even though we have the self-breast exam as well as the clinical breast exam, the best screening method that exists today is the screening mammogram. Personally, I follow the National Comprehensive Cancer Network screening recommendations where individuals are screened starting at age 40. Now, there have been some other health organizations that have debated the screening of individuals between age 40 to 49, and they have determined, you know, that should be something that is an informed decision between the the patient and the medical provider deciding on the screening process and how frequent they should consider a mammogram screening in this age group. I have had women just come to me and say, hey, I, I'm afraid of screening because they actually may find something wrong. And that's when I say even more reason why you should undergo screening, because if there is something there, they can treat it, can catch it early and they can actually treat it. I know other individuals also complain that the mammogram process is uncomfortable. I've actually been through the process and it can be uncomfortable for, I would say, maybe five to 10 minutes. But after that, it's fine. So I don't want you to think, okay, that is just some horrible process. No, it is not. And to be honest, undergoing five to 10 minutes of discomfort during a screening procedure is well worth it if you can catch something potentially such as breast cancer at an earlier stage versus waiting and not undergoing screening procedures and have it be terminal and not have the best outcome. Individuals ask me frequently, how much is a mammogram going to cost me? Now, for majority of the individuals out there, if you have health insurance, a lot of insurance companies cover this mammogram screening because it's part of preventive care. 
However, for those of you who do not have health insurances that cover this, or those of you who do not have health care insurance, there is a program out there called uh, National Breast and Cervical Cancer Early Detection Program, which is sponsored by the Center for Disease Control. And they provide breast and cervical cancer screening, that's the cervical cancer components for pap smears, and diagnostic services to low-income, uninsured, and underinsured women across the United States. And to be eligible for this free or low-cost screening program, you must have no insurance or your insurance does not cover screening exams. Your yearly income also must be at or below 250% of the federal poverty level. I had to ask myself, I hear about the poverty level all the time. And it's like, okay, what is that based on what the parameters that are set by the federal government? If you are 250% below the federal poverty level, let's say you're a family of one, that means your annual income is $31,900 for a one person household. And if you are at or below the 250% of the federal poverty level, let's say for a family of eight, it's $110,300. So to give you an idea, if you roughly may qualify, Also, you must be a woman between the age of 40 to 64 years of age to qualify for the breast cancer screening. And if you are between the age of 21 to 64 years of age for cervical cancer screening and certain women who are younger or older may qualify for screening services. So I say the worst case scenario is to just contact them and they can tell you yay or nay if you qualify. And I will provide that link in the show notes for you guys. So you'll have that available to you. And so if you click on the link that I provide for this National Breast and Cervical Cancer Early Detection Program, it will bring up the map of the United States. And when you click on your state, it provides the contact information for that particular program for your state. And you can call that number and see about the process to see if you qualify for the program. Let's talk a little bit more about the screening process, especially the mammogram. I want to start off by saying, don't be surprised after your initial mammogram that your doctor or your nurse practitioner may call you back and say, hey, we need to get additional pictures. That doesn't necessarily mean that they found a mass It's what it means. It's they need additional imaging and they did not get a good view of the breast most of the time. Now, if they do find a mass, it doesn't mean that it's automatically breast cancer. The next step would be a diagnostic mammogram, and that often involves further imaging and sometimes it will go on further to consider a biopsy where they get a tissue sample of the mass to determine if it's something benign which is mean it's not concerning for cancer versus something that's malignant which is concerning for cancer. Okay if the mammogram is normal the frequency that I usually use for my patients is once a year. However, if it comes back abnormal and you have to undergo the diagnostic mammography, then the frequency, depending on if it is a negative finding, will depend on the recommendations for follow-up screening. However, let's say you have the unfortunate diagnosis of breast cancer. Then the management is dependent on the workup by a specialist, which is the oncologist, determining what stage you're in. And that's kind of what I was talking about earlier, where if you're stage zero, then the cancer is more localized to the breast. However, as you get to the latter stages, let's say stage four, that's more advanced and it's spread to other parts of the body. So the diagnosis and the management is individualized based on your cancer diagnosis, as well as the staging. And 
based on that, it can vary. The treatment can vary from a lumpectomy, which is actually just removing the mass, a double mastectomy or a mastectomy, which means removing one or both breasts, just depending on the type of breast cancer and the recommendations from the oncologist, radiation and chemotherapy. So all of this is taken into account what type of cancer, the spread of the cancer, if any. So each case is individualized on the particular management that is recommended. Now that we've talked about the screening process as well as the management, I just want to just talk about some of the myths that are out there about breast cancer and so that we can combat those to overcome some of the fears that may be associated with breast cancer. One myth is that finding a lump in your breast means you have breast cancer. No, it does not mean that you have breast cancer if you find a lump As a matter of fact, only a small percentage of breast lumps turn out to be cancer. So if you notice it, you just need to seek immediate medical attention for further evaluation. Another myth is that men do not get breast cancer. And we know that's false because I talked to you about Matthew Knowles, who is Beyonce's dad, who was diagnosed, I think, in 2019 with breast cancer. Even though men make up a small percentage of breast cancers, they do have the risk of getting breast cancer. And based on studies that have been put out by the National Cancer Foundation, they state that it affects approximately 2,190 men and 410 of those men may die from breast cancer each year. And the reason that we want to make sure that men are aware that they are at risk is because they do not think that they're increased risk for breast cancer and may not even think if they discover a lump underneath their nipple that it could be potentially breast cancer. So we want to combat that myth. Also, if you get the BRCA1 or BRCA2 gene or the BRCA gene, It does not mean that you will definitely develop breast cancer. I know I gave the example of the Hollywood actress Angelina Jolie that she decided to undergo a double mastectomy. I think that was in her 30s because she found out that she had the gene and because of her family history. That is a radical approach. However, that is individualized. So that's something that you should discuss with your primary care provider and figure out what would be the best option for you. But just because you do have the gene does not mean that you will automatically develop breast cancer. Now, this is one that I've heard from some of the individuals that I've come in contact with. Some believe that mammograms can cause breast cancer to spread. That is false. Mammograms are x-rays of the breasts and they are still considered the major screening method for diagnosing breast cancer. Even though mammograms require a small dose of radiation, it does not increase your risk of cancer and it's considered to be a low level of risk. And to be honest, the benefit of this screening test outweighs the low risk associated with this screening test. And that is backed by the National Cancer Institute. Another myth that is out there is that if you have a family history of breast cancer, then you're likely to develop breast cancer. No, that's not the case. Although family history increases your risk for developing breast cancer, it does not automatically mean that you will get breast cancer. So that's why it's important to connect with a primary care provider, see if there is any genetic counseling that you should undergo to assess your risk, seeing that you do have a family history of it. Now, this is one that I've, I haven't heard of. Some people think that breast cancer is contagious. No, that is false. You cannot catch breast cancer by coming in contact with someone who has breast cancer. 
and have it transferred to your body. And lastly, there's a myth that antiperspirants and deodorants can cause breast cancer. Researchers at the National Cancer Institute are not aware currently of any conclusive evidence that links the use of antiperspirants as well as deodorants to causing breast cancer. So that is false. So it's okay to use your antiperspirants and your deodorants. It is not linked based on current evidence and research that it causes breast cancer. So hopefully that will decrease some of the myths and combat breast cancer and also encourage many of you that have not undergone screening because of some of these myths to do so. Before we wrap up the episode today, I want to encourage you to remain optimistic that we can combat breast cancer. In order to combat a thing, you have to be knowledgeable of that thing. And I think we received a significant amount of information about breast cancer today. So it's going to be important for you to maintain yourself breast exams, making sure that you have a primary care doctor where you can undergo annual clinical breast exams. And if you're at the age for screening, you should start your mammography screening at the appropriate time. And if you need to go earlier, as far as uh, screening before the age of 40, that's something that should be individualized based on genetic as well as family history. And also it can be discussed with your primary care provider to see if you're a candidate for genetic counseling, especially if you have that family history of breast cancer or a family member with a particular gene that may place them at risk for breast cancer. I want us to remain vigilant about taking care of ourselves and making sure that we continue to have routine annual physicals. And if you do find any abnormalities or changes within your breast that you should seek immediate medical attention for further evaluation. As we end the show, I want to dedicate this episode to those breast cancer warriors that are out there that may have been recently diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, I know that there's a sense of fear and uncertainty at this time, but I want you to know that there have been many advances in the management of breast cancer and that there are many support groups out there to allow you to have someone to lean on during this time and that you can remain positive so that you can see yourself coming out cancer free through this journey. And also I want to dedicate this to the breast cancer survivors out there. I want to continue to encourage you to get behind and advocate for breast cancer screening, as well as encouraging your current breast cancer warriors who may be going through the journey that you've already came out on the other side of. And so that being said, continue to remain positive and hopeful. And this is your host, Dr. Dion. Take care. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please subscribe and feel free to tell your family and friends to check out the podcast. And remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and the thoughts and opinions do not constitute medical advice.